Amen. Psalms 150, if you would. And as I do that, as I get to the message this morning, I want to um, say something that I forgot to say at, at the missions offering that I, th- I heard this week that I thought was very interesting. You know, we don't, how many know we don't see or won't see everything that we do in the kingdom of God until we get to heaven? How many have come to that realization? A lot of times we try to visualize things here, and sometimes we try to think, man, if I don't see it here, it's not happening. We are, when we outreach, when we, when we come to church, when we win souls, when we, when we give to missions, when we do God's will, we are, we are establishing something that's like a seed going in the ground. And we can't always see what's coming out of that seed. You, don't, you put that seed in by faith, and, and you know that, that it's going to come out of the ground, but you don't see it immediately. And sometimes you'll plant something, and you never see it grow, but it does grow, and it grows into something great and amazing. And I was thinking this week about this, and, and I heard a great example. Some of you might have heard it as well. How many remember back in, in the Holocaust that Schindler made a list and there's obviously a movie called that called schindler's list and he made he was a a a very influential businessman and he made it possible to save over a thousand am i correct on that over a thousand jews from being killed in the holocaust on that list that was an amazing thing in itself but a lot of times we look at at what happened there and we say wow god used schindler to save a thousand souls and sometimes we stop at that and we think, wow, that was it. That's not it. Because the thousand souls that he saved lived and all be, you know, went on to do other things. And today in 2016, there's over 8,500 descendants of those thousand off of Schindler's list. So 1,000 became 8,500. And that's probably as far as they can track it. There could be more than that. But how many see that when we do something for God, it's not always noticed at the moment, but later on we'll see what really happened. And I really believe when it comes to missions that God has his hand on a church that believes in giving to missions. I believe that when we're looking beyond, because when you give to missions, although, like I said, I've been there and and I've seen that place, most of us will never go to another country, we'll never be able to see that building built with our own eyes, we'll never be able to shake the hand or hug a kid that's in that church, but the principle is that our, our eyes and our thoughts and our minds are on someplace else than home. And whenever a church says we're going to give to missions and we're going to give to the works around the world, I believe with all my heart that God's hand just rests upon the church that does that. And obviously if his hand rests upon the church that does that, his hand rests upon the people in the church that are, that are giving and that are faithful. And I really believe that God is going to bring miracles financially. He's going to prosper us. He's going to take care of our needs. He's going to give us all the things that we need because our minds are on missions and we are a missions church. Can you say amen? I want to talk to you this morning out of Psalms 150, and if you're taking notes, I want to give you this message. Why is my commitment to church so vital? Why is my commitment to church so vital? Now, notice that I did not say, why is my coming to church so vital? Not just coming. We mentioned last week and the week before we talked about religion versus relationship. Amen. It's not just coming to church. It's committing. How many know you can say I do in a marriage, but you have to actually commit to it? 
the words I do go, don't, don't go very far if you don't actually commit to the marriage. And, and we see that in marriages. This, I wasn't, this wasn't in my plans, but you think about marriage and you think about the vows that we make when we get married. It's not that hard to walk the aisle and say, I do. It's, not, it's really not that hard. Everybody say, I do. See, that wasn't that hard, was it? But when the going gets rough and the going gets tough, we, we tend to quickly forget the vows that said, till death do us part or uh, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health and all those other world got quiet in here. Why did it get so quiet in here? Do I, need, do I have any married couples in love in here? All right, all right, all right. Help me out here. Amen. We got some newlyweds. We should at least hear the newlyweds get excited. Amen. But when you say that I do, you got to follow it up with some commitment. So I say church commitment is vital to your life. And I want to talk about that this morning. You know, a lot of people have excuses, right? Excuses. How many know there's a lot of excuses for not coming to church? If you Google this, you will find pages and pages of people who have like taken the time to say, I'm going to write down top 10, all these. I mean, you'll find tons of them. And I just have a few here that you, you guys could probably even do better uh, finding these things. But here's, here's one. I don't have anything to wear. I can stay home. There's plenty of pre preachers on TV. They just want my hard-earned cash. I can't come without my spouse. The preacher preaches too long. The drums are too loud. It's too cold or too hot. Someone I don't like goes there. There are too many old people. We know that's not the case in our church, amen? My mom and dad are saying, give us some more old people. They cater too much to the young. I really needed to mow the yard. The, I like this one. The preacher gave a sermon that was directly for me. Specified for me. Here's another one. The church did me wrong 15 years ago. Not a single person asked me how I've been doing. How many know when you ask some people how they're doing? <laughs> you wish they didn't. Because <laughs> they tell you. <laughs> well, let me tell you. The church is too mission-minded. I thought I might be getting sick. That's a good one. I thought... I might be getting sick or you could tie one into that I, I'm afraid if I go I'll get sick I will go to church two more I, I will go to church when things get right between me and God that's a good one right how many have heard that for I'll go when I, everything gets right and then this is a good one too something just told me I needed to stay home <laughs> something just I heard a voice that said you need to just stay home I wonder what voice that was. Now, here's what we're going to do. This is a joke, but here's what we could do. We could make a no excuse Sunday. We have that day, I think it's in September, that we talk about uh, trying to get everybody back to church, back to church Sunday, they call it. And we could say no excuse Sunday, dedicated to missing church attendees. So what we're going to do is we're going to make it possible for everyone to a church to attend church that particular Sunday. And we're going to have a special no excuse Sunday cots will be placed in the foyer for whoever says sunday is my only day to sleep in there'll be a special section with lounge chairs for those who say the chairs are uncomfortable there'll be eye drops available for those with red eyes from watching tv into the wee hours of saturday night 
will have steel helmets. Check this out. For those who say the roof will cave in if I ever come to church. Blankets will be furnished for those who think the church is too cold. Fans will be provided for those who say it's too hot. Scorecards will be available for those who wish to list the hypocrites present. Relatives and friends will be in attendance for those who can't go to church and cook dinner too. We will distribute stamp out stewardship buttons for those who feel the church is always asking for money. One section will be devoted to trees and grass for those who like to seek God in nature. Doctors and nurses will be in attendance for those who plan to be sick on that day. The sanctuary will be decorated with Christmas trees, poinsettias, and Easter lilies for those who only feel comfortable on those days. (laughs) We will provide hearing aids for those who can't hear the preacher and cotton wool (laughs) for those who think the preacher's too loud. Hope to see you there. Amen. That might have hit home with somebody. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So let's go to Psalms 150 this morning. Amen. How many know if we would do that, we might have some success. Amen. But the bottom line is, church, it it is funny, but the bottom line is we always will have an excuse. How many have found that? We will always find a way to say, I don't have time for God. And I always, you know what I always go back to? I always go back to the word of God and I go back to the thought that I thank God Jesus didn't have excuses when he went to the cross. Amen. I'm so thankful. How many are thankful that Jesus didn't pull out a list of excuses when he was going to the cross? And that kind of just brings perspective back in about, about that. And, and we're going to read Psalms 150. I'm going to give you four things if you're taking notes this morning that are, that are, that are why we, a commitment to church is so vital in our lives. And we're going to look in Psalms 150. But as I do this, and right before I do, I just want to mention how I personally over the years have seen so many times here and in Costa Rica, pastoring there, how I've seen people come in and give their lives to the Lord and really, really make a change. You know, really just say, I'm not the person I used to be and just really transform and, and, and actually get the understanding that I need to be at church and I need to be around other people that are going to church and I need to hear the word and they get that. But then down the road somewhere, something happens regardless of what it is whether it's a a valid reason or not and those same people that I saw so plugged into church I would begin to see fade away and I'd begin to see miss a service and then miss a couple services and then miss three services and then all of a sudden you just never see them again and and most of the time I'll say this obviously people move Um, God takes people other places there's always different reasons but I say most of the time when I am able to see those people's lives if I'm able later run into them or whatever their lives are not the same when they have stepped out of a commitment to the house of God and making sure that they're staying there their lives are not the same they they stop going to church and let me tell you something right here this is the truth The, the the meanest person you can ever meet in your life is a backslidden miserable Christian That's the most miserable person you'll ever meet in your life. The meanest person you'll ever meet is someone who has been 
and tasted, the Bible says, tasted of the goodness of God and has left that and now they don't want anything to do with God. They're miserable. I mean, how many know some people like that this morning? Amen. So I, I, as we always do, I want to show you in the word of God. I'm not just going to say this is why or that's why. I want to show you in the word of God why God says we should commit to the house of God. And let's look at Psalms 150. It's a short uh, chapter. But number one, if you're taking notes, it's an established place. Church is an established place. Okay, I want you to understand that. It's a place that God asks us to meet. Now, all over the world this morning, there's churches open. And, and especially on a Sunday morning, there's churches all over the world. They're open. And people that say, this is my church. This is the church I go to. There's an established direction. There's an established address. And there's an established time. And there's an established place that they come together. And we see this in Psalms 150, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in your living room. What does it say there? Praise God wherever you want. What does it say? Come on, I'll get you participation this morning. I want you to look at your Bibles. In his sanctuary, that's a physical place. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. How many can say amen to that? So we see all those things about music and cymbals and and, and clapping and singing, but it says there's a place that we do that, and it's in his sanctuary. And that's a physical place. A lot of people try to say, well, I can have church by myself. You're not going to show me that in the Bible. You can say it, but you're not going to find it. I can have church by myself. I want a scripture. I want you to show me where it says that when I'm showing you here that the Bible says that there's a sanctuary and we know that God has a sanctuary, but this is a physical place where we meet together. And you're going to see some other verses that will help you that. Hope you have your Bibles this morning because I've got a lot of verses for you I want you to see. Some of them I will go through quickly and not ask you to find them, but you can write them down, try to keep up. It's an established place. That's number one. It's an established place. Here's another verse for that. Psalms 122, verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me. Can anybody finish that for me? I was glad when they said unto me, let us stay home on our couches and have church. That's not what it says. I was glad when they said unto me, let us, there's a word there, go into the what house of the lord that's a that's a place that's a place it's a physical place and all over the world it's a physical place and you know what's so awesome to think about is we are a multicultural multi-denominational multi not denominational multi i don't know why i said denominational non-denominational uh multicultural multi-ethnic is what i meant to say church we see all these flags that today all over the world where you're from your country there's people having church right now and, they're, and they're, that's, your, that's your race, that's your background. And, and even in places, it was so awesome when we did this concert, we had some, some Chinese guys come over 
at the end of the concert that are learning aviation and you see those aviation vans here a lot in Denton and a lot of Chinese are here learning how to be pilots and they came over and listened for a while and then about 12 or 13 of them were here and then about three of them stayed and we were talking to them and uh and I began to talk to them about church and they said that that to me they said to me church is not uh, is more visible in China than we think here in America and there's a revival in China a lot of people think, oh, it's a communist country and, and it's, it, you know, they're having to hide for, to do a lot of things and there's a truth to that. But the doors are opening up, amen? And the thing that we don't understand in our spoiled United States is, is a lot of times we go, oh, I have to go to church this morning. And all over the world, there's people who are saying, I would love to be able to go to church this morning, amen? I would love to be able to have freedom to worship God, but I got to do it by myself because I can't because they'll kill me or shoot me or whatever how many can understand that so we take for granted that of course and so it says I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord and to me that eliminates TV church now I'm not saying you can't be sick at home or you know that that is an option when you're out of town or whatever but it says go into the house of the Lord amen and I say on that point you know a lot of people need prayer and a lot of people need someone to visit them in the hospital if you are and I'm not saying anybody here is this but if you uh, are, are in love with some TV evangelist I'd like to see how you get that person to come pray for you when you're in the hospital I'd like to see how you call them up and get some counsel from them people today are sending tons of money into these TV evangelists and they'll never meet them and they'll never have a prayer said for them. They'll never go to the hospital for them. They'll never do a funeral for them. They'll never marry them. They'll never give them any marriage. Come on, somebody help me out here, amen? There's something about being in a physical place with physical people that can physically touch your needs and pray for you and bring you food and do all the things that a church is supposed to do. That TV evangelist is not going to do that. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house we see in acts chapter 2 45 46 and 47 they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship that's one good thing us christians are good at amen fellowship as long as there's food how many know there's not fellowship if there's not some kind of food amen even if it's a, a cookie we would go around in costa rica and visit houses and and be going to see different people and, and these people were poor and when you know how many have ever heard the saying dirt poor Okay, I know what dirt poor looks like. Dirt poor means there's no floor. You're on the dirt. I've been in houses where there's no floor. And they're literally dirt poor. because They don't have any floor. And you get there and you visit and they're so amazed and excited that, that a, a missionary's in their house. And you'll sit down for a second on those couches or cha wood chairs or whatever they have. And uh, all of a sudden you'll see somebody shoot out the door. And you know where they're going. They're going to the store down the road. And they're going to buy some kind of soda and some kind of cookie. Because if you're in their house, they got to give you something. And I guarantee you they can't afford it. But they're going to make sure they have some fellowship. So I remember eating lots of cookies and lots of Cokes, amen, in those places. And I, had, I have to tell you, there was many times that I had to pray extra hard as I was drinking them, amen. I would hope that they'd bring the bottle. Because sometimes you'd be looking over at the sink. And there'd be flies everywhere, and he knew it wasn't just being cleaned so well, and so you pray, amen? See, people here in the United States, we pray like religiously, oh, Lord, thank you for this food, amen. When you're in another country, you pray for a reason. <laughs> you don't pray for religion. You pray, God, help me get out of this country alive, 
Amen. I remember this one time we were in, in Los Cuadros and we had a church there and we were, we, now we have a church there and we were visiting with our kids ministry and I walked in there and let me just ask a question real quick. How many, how many like to drink milk? See, it's not a whole lot. I love it when it's real cold. If it's real cold, I can drink it. But if you don't like to drink milk really anyways and you walk into a house and they offer you a glass of milk that's not cold, coming from that, from that uh, area where the flies are, I never forget, man, I, I got this, this glass of milk in my hands. I was just recently there, and I thought, God, you know, I've heard so many people say, if you don't drink this, you'll offend them. And all I could think of was, I was weighing out in my mind, what's going to be more offensive? If I don't drink this, or if I throw up right now inside this living room? That was what was going through my mind. I'm like, I know, because I looked at it, and it was not fresh. You know, you can see the little curds on the top, you know? And, and flies were in the air. I'm serious, man. I was like, I, got, I was debating. So I took it, and I said, oh, thank you. And I, did, I just held it, you know, and we had some good, I made sure the conversation was good. And I found the moment, the place and the time, when I could sneak out and just dump that thing real quick and then came back in and went like that. And handed the glass back and said, thank you so much. And how many know what the next prayer was? Would you like some more? <laughs> the next prayer was, please don't offer me any more milk. Amen. Apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. So they continue daily, watch this, with one accord. This is Acts 2. In the temple. It's an established place. In the the temple and breaking bread from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved so number one is why is my commitment vital because God says that church is an established what place it's a place we come number two it's God's plan it's God's plan that we come to church it's God's plan that we come together. Let me give you some verses. So this will be probably the most used, but I have some other ones. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is very clear. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking our, our own assembling together. He says, don't do that. That's an admonition. Don't stop coming together in fellowship. He says, as is the habit of some, this is kind of what I mentioned at the beginning of the message, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here we are today, listen, in a generation who is less churched than ever before, yet we're in a time when the church says we should be in, more ch in church more than ever before because the day of the Lord is coming near and we need to be on fire for God. We need to be in love with the Lord. We need to be discipled by Jesus. Come on, somebody help me out. This is not the time to stop going to church. This is the time to start committing to the church and making sure that you're in church so you can receive the word of God and stay on fire now right here before I forget this I want to I want to say something that I hear a lot to clear something up a lot of people are raised a certain way in church and that's fine so they don't know any better I've, and I've heard some things and I was like man we got to address this so I'm going to try to remember to do it this morning we have three services a week but all three services are different a lot of people think that when there's multiple services, it's the same service repeated. That's not the case in our church. 
Every service is different. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, different preaching, different message, different songs. Everything's different. It's nothing repeated. So I know some people, I've heard people saying that, they, oh, I didn't know we had three ser- different services. They thought they were all the same. Okay? So that, I just wanted to clear that up to make sure people understand that. Number, here's another verse, eight, Matthew 18 and 20. Now I want you to think about these verses because how many know we read a verse sometimes and it just kind of goes over and go, oh, yeah, amen, but we don't really think about it. Matthew 18, 20, this will be one you've heard and recognized. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. How many know when he says where two or three are gathered, that eliminates me by myself with my TV? I can't have church by myself because he says where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst. You trying to say God can't visit me by myself? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. God visits me a lot by myself, but I'm not trying to have church by myself. I'm not trying to encourage myself by myself. Amen. He says where two or three are gathered in together that means that there's a place and a time and a reason we come together he says i am there in the midst of them here's another one colossians 3 verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we see here there's a reason we sing songs. Nothing that we do is just to be done. Amen. How many know that everything we should, that we do should line up with the scriptures? And we should be knowing why we do what we do. Now there might be some people in here this morning that you were, you were drugged your entire life. You were drugged to church. Amen. People drug you to church and you didn't know why you were going. And, and that's maybe why you don't want to be here in the first place because you never went because you wanted to. We want you to know that church is a good place. Church is an awesome place. Church is a place where you can learn and grow and be in the presence of other people who love God and iron sharpens iron and maybe change your whole perspective of how you have visualized and seen church. We know there's a lot of churches that have a lot of rituals. Stand up, sit down. Stand up, sit down. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Open your eyes, recite prayer. Whatever. There's a lot of different things that things go on. But we try to do everything we do because of the scriptures. Okay? Hebrews 13, verse 17. These these are some interesting thoughts. It's God's plan. This is number two. Why is my commitment to church vital? It's God's plan. Why, Why would God say, I want you to really think about this here. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. So exactly how, and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse this morning, but let me tell you, there's a a whole lot of people today who are trying to have church by themselves at the house. How do you submit to that person on TV? How do you have a covering from that person on TV? How can you submit to a screen? Come on, somebody give me an amen so I can move on. I'm just trying to get you to think here this morning. How can you submit to the person on the radio? It's a person. It's a place. It's established that God, that that we would have somebody standing in our lives, not to lord over us, but to help us. Now, there's been a lot of abuse in a lot of churches. A lot of people who, who have seen bad examples. And that's why a lot of people are not... 
uh, going to church or serving God. But let me give you a thing to think about. You're still going to have to answer to God for your life whether or not somebody did you wrong. You need to realize I got to give an account for my life. So he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Here's what it says. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. If you ever get a text from me or a call and you hear me say, hey, we've been missing you. Hey, haven't seen you for a while. Hey, whatever. Don't think that I'm just bored and have nothing to do. I have to give an account for your life. God has brought you into this place and it's my position and call to not lord over you but for to be a leader to you. And so it's my call to say, hey, haven't seen you. You need to be in church. I want to see you make it for God. So I'm giving, a, I got to give an account to God. I got to give an account to God for what I preach and what I preach about. And so that's why we have to understand that God established all this for a reason. And he says this, let them do this with joy and not with grief for this is unprofitable to you. I believe there's some people out there who have a full-time job, not in here, not in this church, but in the world to have a full-time job to make the pastor miserable. Amen. Let's see what I can do to stir up some feathers in this place. Amen. How many believe that's possible? It has to be a reason why he's saying it's not profitable for, to you to cause problems. Acts 9, verse 31, verse 32, last verse of this number two. Then, watch this, the churches, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. Churches. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. You know what another thought is by people today is they say that we don't need to go to church, an actual physical church, because we're the body of Christ. That's what they'll say. We're the body. Now, we are the body of Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is worldwide. And it's all over the place. And it's every person whose heart is right with God. Doesn't matter which church they go to as long as it lines up with the word of God. So we are all part of the body of Christ. But he says then the churches. And he mentions a name of a church. He mentions cities. So he's not just talking about the worldwide church. He's talking about churches. Physical places where people are gathering together to hear the word of God. Can you see that? And they were multiplied as they walked in the fear of the Lord. Number three. First one is it's an established place. Second one is church is God's plan for our lives. It's his plan. How else do we show him that we love him if we don't come together? And that's another thing I kind of talked about last week, how I think it was last Sunday where we don't really prioritize God. We're in a generation that says, and I'll say this again, if God, if you can speak to me in that Sunday morning in two hours or an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is, I give you my whole that time right there. But I, that's all I can commit to. That's not, that's not the attitude God's looking for. We should not be revolving our God around our lives. We should be revolving our lives around God. Everything we do should revolve around God. And our hearts and our lives should be his. Amen. Not saying, God, if you can fit in this time capsule here, then I'll, this time space, move. Amen. How many understand that? It's an everyday thing. In the book of Acts, they went to church every day. You think three services a lot. We're actually, on the, on the, uh, we're actually behind, according to the book of Acts church. So number three is we need each other. 
Look at the person next to you and say, we need each other. And mean it. Amen. We need each other. You might not even know it or believe it, but we need each other. Now, how many can say, sometimes we get on each other's nerves? Right? We get on each other's nerves. Some might say, you got on my last nerve. Amen. We get on each other's nerves. But guess what? God intended that. He, he wanted us to come to church so we could get on each other's nerves. Because he wanted us to grow each other. He wanted us to be around each other. He wanted us to help each other. Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll look there real quick, I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16 tells us why we need each other. It says he gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? For the equipping of the saints of what? Of the work of ministry. Y'all looking at this? For the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That goes on. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from who the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according, look at this, to the effective working which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love we need each other you need me and i need you and we need each other we have gifts in here that other people don't have you have a gift someone else doesn't have someone else has a gift you don't have you can reach someone someone else can't reach someone else can reach somebody you can't reach we need each other we need each other. You're in here this morning most likely because somebody told you about the Lord. You're in here this morning most likely because someone witnessed to you. Someone invited you to come to church. Amen. We need people to get saved outside of church, but people do get saved in church. Some people think you have to be in church to get saved. That's not the case. Can you say amen? We're in here to be equipped and to learn and to edify one another so we can do the Matthew 28, 19, which says, go into the whole world and preach the gospel. Where do we go from? From the church. If we were already out there, why would we need to go? He's saying, come together in the temple, come together in the church house, come together in the sanctuary and learn that you need each other and be equipped, find your gift, worship me, praise me, know that I planned this. And then he says, go out and tell others about Jesus. Can you imagine somebody just drawing a bunch of people who wanted to be doctors together? Watch this, follow me. How many want to be doctors? And a bunch of hands were raised. I mean, who doesn't want to be a doctor? They make good money. How many want to be a doctor? 
Call them into some place, not even a place. Let's just say they're in the street. Call them into an area in a neighborhood. And say, you know what? I'm going to make you a doctor. And never have training. Never open a medical book. Never learn anything about the body. And then tell those doctors, go and operate on people. Go and find people who are sick and make them whole. That's what the church is if it doesn't come together and learn about the word of God. We're supposed to go and preach the gospel and you say, how? Where are you going to learn it? Amen. There's a lot to be learned. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we in our fellowship don't have um, seminary or some people call it cemetery. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with it. But the problem is, is if you go to a place and just learn and don't apply it, it's head knowledge. But you got a lot of other people who want to go do something but don't learn. Then it's just damage. Amen. So can you imagine having a mechanic work on your car who's never gone to mechanic school? He just wants to be a mechanic. He says, go and work on cars. Be a mess. So church is established that we would come in and learn and know how to rightfully divide the truth and know how to act like Jesus acted. Talk like Jesus talked. Do what Jesus did. What did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That means he was physically with them. And they watched his life. They watched how he carried his, himself. How many know that what we just read right here, as I move to the last point, this part of we need each other in Ephesians 4, prophets, evangelists, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry is impossible if we don't come together. We have to come together for this to happen. And then what goes on during the week in our own lives is because of what we learned in the house of God. And listen, we need to learn a lot. That's why we have so many opportunities to do that. Number four, the last reason why we need to commit to church, why it's vital, because we need to keep ourselves accountable. The Lone Ranger mentality is not God's will. You run into people, say, I love God, but I, I don't go to church. And they'll have all the reasons and many can be justified. But God's word says to go. And that's what I'm trying to show you. It's not something that just sounds good. It's in the word of God. And so we see that we need to be accountable to each other. And we want to look at Acts 20 or write it down, verse 28. Now watch this. Acts 20, verse 28. How many give us just a couple more minutes here? Acts 20, verse 28, he says, be on guard for yourselves, okay? Be on guard for yourselves. So some people could just say, uh, the Bible says for me to be on guard for myself. So see, I'm, that's why I'm by myself. How I many of you people just take verses and they just shred them to pieces and find whatever fits right for them, amen? They'll put all kinds of verses together and make a doctrine and it looks like goulash. Don't make any sense at all. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now watch this. To what? Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. If we don't need church and we don't need a shepherd, why would he say to shepherd the church of God? If we don't have a place that people come together, why would we need overseers? 
And how many know if we don't have established churches, as much as it sounds good, listen, I've learned this the hard way, as much as it sounds good that we would all be one church, it's, it's physically impossible. It's physically impossible. Because you have to have meetings. You have to have, listen, it, it is God's will that the church would be one. You have people say, why is there so many denominations? Why is there so many religions? Why is there so many this? Why is there so many that? It's physically impossible to do the work without coming together and having not divisions in a bad way, but divisions of places where people meet together. And the idea of Jesus is that we would all come together in the churches that are called Church of Christ or church, the Church of God or the Body of Christ, and we would do what the Bible says, all of us. But obviously, people get off and go do other things and don't really follow the scriptures, and that's the danger. But he says, be on guard for yourselves and the flock to oversee and shepherd the church of God. That's why we need a place to come. 1 Timothy 5, 17 says, the elders who rule well are to be, who are they ruling? We don't have, listen, contrary to religious beliefs, we don't have some man, some one man in this world who's governing us. Some religions have turned it into that, but we don't have a man governing the whole, the whole church of Jesus Christ. We have pastors, we have apostles, we have leaders, we have elders, we have churches, not a church. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. If we don't have a church, who are we preaching and teaching to? We have to have people to preach and teach to. We have to be in an established place. You just go, I'm going to go out and preach and teach. I'm just going to go out today and just preach and teach. Well, who are you going to preach and teach? You have to catch somebody first. You can't, you can't clean a fish without catching it. That's, that's, how many understand that? You have to have someone to preach and teach to. And that takes fishing. Gotta go out. Jesus said, You're, you, I got, I, I, Jesus says, I need, I need to uh, make you guys, you guys are great fishermen, but I'm, you guys fish, fish, are fishermen, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. You do good, you're doing good at what you do, but I'm going to turn your talent into making you a fisher of men. I want you to go out and catch men. I want you to go out and catch women. I want you to catch them, and then I'm going to teach you how to clean them up. But you've got to have a place to put them. Can you imagine going out and catching the fish and having no place to put the fish? What good would that do? Can't cook them, can't clean them, can't eat them. Amen? Where are you going to put them? You've got to have a place. Matthew 18, last, last couple things, just two more verses. Think about this. He gives us some instruction here about how to deal with problems. These are things that happen in the church. He says in verse 15, if, you, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay, this is a biblical way to handle a problem. There's a, there's a, there's a beef between two people. The Bible says they should work it out by themselves. Okay, they go to that person and they say, listen, you have, you have offended me or I, I've offended you. Let's talk this out. <clears throat> he says, if he hears you, he says, okay, I follow you. I'm sorry, or you offended me, or I offended you, and they fix it, and they work it out. He says, if, you hear, if he hears you, you've gained your brother. Okay, that's the first step. That, that we should always work out our problems one-on-one -on -one with each other. Okay? Come on, y'all still here? Then he says, but if he won't hear you, then you go get one or two more people. 
and you bring them in and say, listen, we're, we're not able to get this communication thing out. Uh, he's speaking French and I'm speaking German. We can't get on the same page. Can you help us out here? And how many know sometimes when you're in an argument, you need someone who's not biased or unbiased, I should say, to listen. And, and sometimes that person can hear something that the other people aren't hearing. You say, you know, he's not saying that or she's not saying that. What they're saying is this. Oh, okay, I didn't get that. They bring that in, and if that works out, it says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word would be established. And it says, if he refuses to hear the group of people, tell it to the church. Y'all still here? Tell it to the church. If we don't have an established place, who's the church you're talking to? Who are you going to go out and tell the church to? Y'all still here? Come on. I'm trying to help you here. There ha where, who's the church if, if there's no place where you have a church group meeting? Got to have a church to come bring the problem to. Because otherwise, that you can't get to that third part. But he says, if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And I'm not focusing on that negative last part. I'm just trying to get you to understand God established the church. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. If I, if I have, if I have, and I'll say this the last time, if, I'm, if my church is the TV and that certain evangelist that I just love to listen to because he just says the most amazing things, how can I ever submit to that person? through the screen how can i ever ever do what this bible says right here and says imitate their faith if all i ever do is see them in the church how can i you can't you can't just imitate my faith by what i stand up here and do on this platform you got to look at my wife you got to look at my life you got to look at my daughters you got to look how i carry myself outside of here because it's easy to act a certain way in church, but how do, how do these people on TV act when they're not in church? I don't know, because I've never seen them. God didn't establish that. God said, I want you to come in, and I want you to follow some people on their daily life. I want you to follow how they act and how they talk and how they walk. I want you to hold them accountable. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to have a certain place we come together, and we're going to build God's church, amen? And we're going to establish the kingdom of God and Psalms 131, resistance as you come, says, Behold how good and pleasant it is to, for brethren to dwell together in unity. How many know for us to dwell together, we have to be in a place? We have to be in a place. Now, don't close me off because the musicians are coming. One of the reasons we don't, we don't believe biblically in a mega church and a mega church is thousands and thousands of people. Those churches that have gotten so big that you, that you can't even know who you are or who anybody is. And you could go to church and never be missed because they don't know you're there. God didn't really intend biblically for a church to get that big. Because if the mega church was God's plan, we wouldn't have churches in the United States and we wouldn't have churches in Mexico and we wouldn't have church. We'd have a church in Jerusalem and that'd be it. Y'all understand that? He never said, I want you to go build a church. A church. He said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. 
He said, go. And so they, they went out and they began to go build churches. And that's what you see in the Ephesians and the Colossians and, 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 and uh, Philippians and, and Galatians. You see all these churches that are established because God said, I need you to go make churches. And that's why our vision is to plant churches. We're not about trying to just build one humongous church. We're building churches and then as men and couples rise up and say, hey, we'll go. Then we send them out and start another church. So we have church is, not a church. That's God's plan. It's not God's plan for us to have one humongous 50,000 member church in Texas. It's his plan for us to have 25 or 30 churches here in the Metroplex. Like Carrollton. And grow out from there and have churches everywhere. You say, well, why do we got to have so many churches? Listen, I can't tell you what other churches are doing. I can just tell you what we're doing. How many of you understand that? We can't worry about, if this is what God's called you to be, we can't worry about what other churches are doing. We've got to worry about what we're doing. We've got to worry about what the vision is that God has placed us here. And, and you, you have to continue to pray always to God. God, what can I do to be vital to my church? As I know it's vital that I, that I make a commitment. Not to membership. We're, we're not, it's not about a membership. Membership ain't going to get you to heaven. It's about understanding the principles. I gave you a lot of verses about gathering together and being in one place and learning about the word of God and having someone to be accountable to and say, hey, we've been missing you. Hey, you need some prayer? Isn't it awesome when you realize that if you have an issue in this church and something needs to be prayed for, 20, 20 or 25 people are going to pray immediately for you? You can't, you can't get that just anywhere. If you, need, if you need to deal with an issue right now, this morning, so that maybe has nothing to do with the message, there's an altar right here that you can come down and pray at. You might be here saying, man, that, that message had absolutely nothing to do with what I need this morning. Well, the good news is the altar's open this morning, and you can meet, God can meet your need right here. We're not just going to dismiss and walk out of here. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray.